Welcome to Nathan's School of Thought. I'm Nathan Walker, Global Performance Coach, here to share principles gleaned from decades of teaching, training, and coaching on four continents. Whether you're a senior executive, salesperson, new parent, military leader, artist, musician, head of a nonprofit, or a student, it doesn't matter who you are, only who you can become. Join me each week to have your brain flipped upside down as we move together toward a happier, healthier, and much more productive life. Hello, my friends. As I work with people and organizations around the world, there's one thing that shows up in almost every coaching engagement. This is really surprising to me that it's so common, but it really is, and it's not one that we talk about very often. But today, we're going to talk about our tendency to hold reality hostage. You do this. If you don't, you're really, really unique. So let's talk about this a little bit. And we'll begin with a poem. Now, I hated poetry when I was a kid. I thought it was ridiculous. Now that I realize it's painting with words and helping us see a picture we didn't see in another way, I really quite like it. This is by Edwin Arlington Robinson. Miniver Cheevy, child of scorn, grew lean while he assailed the seasons. He wept that he was ever born, and he had reasons. Miniver loved the days of old when swords were bright and steeds were prancing. The vision of a warrior bold would set him dancing. Miniver sighed for what was not, and dreamed and rested from his labors. He dreamed of Thebes and Camelot and Priam's neighbors. Miniver mourned the ripe renown that made so many a name so fragrant. He mourned romance, now on the town, and art a vagrant. Miniver loved the Medici, albeit he had never seen one. He would have sinned incessantly could he have been one. Miniver cursed the commonplace and eyed a khaki suit with loathing. He missed the medieval grace of iron clothing. Miniver scorned the gold he sought, but sore annoyed was he without it. Miniver thought and thought and thought and thought about it. Miniver Cheevy, born too late, scratched his head and kept on thinking. Miniver coughed and called it fate and kept on drinking. You will see a little bit of Miniver Cheevy in most everyone you know, if you look for it, and you'll see it in yourself. Miniver, thinking that he was born too late, romancing about the days of the knights and the iron clothing that they wore, and how art back then was way better and the time of the Medici in Italy was the best time ever, kept thinking outside of the time he was in and drowned himself in drink because he couldn't be where he was not. He hated money because he didn't have it and longed for it at the same time. As I said before, of all of the things I encounter as a coach, the most common, the most surprising, is our tendency to hold reality hostage for what we think will make us happy. 
Instead of being happy here and now, we say things about what will make us happy. Our ability to imagine things that might happen or to think back on things that happened in the past is really kind of unique to humans. The way we think back and learn lessons and the way we envision the future, at least to the degree that we can do it, is a uniquely powerful gift. Those who are very imaginative can do this very well, and it can be a blessing or a curse. The doorway to heaven or the portal to hell. Often we say things that begin with, if only. This way of imagining things can be a misapplication of a spiritual gift. Let me give you a couple of examples. If only my spouse were more romantic, we would be so much happier together. If only we had more money, we could fix up this dump and finally have a nice house. As long as so-and-so's in charge at work, we're going to crash and burn. We'll never succeed as a company. Or, these kids are driving me crazy. At least when they're older, things will be a little bit better and they can take care of themselves because I'm about to lose my mind. Or, the worst one, we're all going to die. Fill in the blank by how we're all going to die. This whole thing with society, we're all going to die, is a terrible, terrible thing because the implication is that there's not much to live for right now. And we've already seen the terrible consequences of this belief, especially among the young. It makes my heart ache. Now notice that in everything that I've mentioned so far, there's an implied meaning. When my spouse learns how to be more romantic, we'll be happy. The implication is that we're not happy now, and it's my spouse's fault. When we get more money, we'll be able to fix up this dump and finally have a nice house. The implication is that future happiness is possible, but current happiness is not. That somehow the house has power to make us happy or unhappy. Or the one I used at work. When so-and-so's in charge, that we're going to crash and burn, we'll never succeed as a company. The implication is that we otherwise would succeed, that this one person's poor management is the thing that's preventing the company from being successful. Or that it never will be. Or fill in the blank. We hold reality hostage. Instead of living in the here and now, we use our gift of vivid imagination in a way that's harmful. It's detrimental to us and detrimental to everyone we know and love. Sometimes we misapply this in what I call binary thinking. This will only take five minutes or I don't have all day to run errands. Well, your options aren't five minutes and all day. There are a million in-betweens. If we hold reality hostage and say, I can't be happy in the current moment or with the decision that is before me right now, we cede control to our wild imagination. We either imagine something that will be good in the future, or we imagine that things should have been different in the past. And neither one is correct. Let's do some more. I'm so stressed out. If I were on vacation right now, I would be finally able to relax. No, you wouldn't. You know what happens when you come back from a vacation. You say, I need a vacation for my vacation. I'm so stressed out. That was, it was so costly. I'm so exhausted. And I have a meeting at 7 a.m. 
relax now. How about, I should be making six figures right now, but people are so stupid, they, they don't want to pay me what I'm worth. They just don't know what I'm worth. Or, when we move closer to home, life will be a lot better. If we're back around friends and family, I won't feel so anxious, so stressed out, so worried. Things will be great if we can just get back with the family. The world will be underwater in 10 years. Boy, that is catastrophizing, if there ever was any. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Here's a good one. This is an advertiser's dream. When I get this promotion, we'll be able to afford the lifestyle we want. Actually, that's not true. What you're doing is implying that when you get this promotion, you'll be able to pay for the lifestyle you've already become accustomed to. Most people are living far beyond their means, hoping against hope that they can finally get some promotion that's going to make it so that they don't go go under financially. Here's another one that's an advertiser's dream. When I get this car, I'll feel successful. Or I'll be able to, you know, travel off-road to the top of some beautiful peak at sunset, surrounded by beautiful people doing beautiful things. And uh, it won't cost me anything in gas or effort. And all the dust that should be on that car won't be on that car. But I digress. How about if I drink this beer, I'll be surrounded by girls in bikinis? No, you won't. Okay, you might, but most won't. And it has nothing to do with the beer. So in every single one of these examples, there's the implied belief that the reality that we're in right now should be held hostage to some other circumstance, past or future. And if we meet that criteria... If we live in that experience, that's not real, by the way. If we live in that not real experience, then finally we will be happy, have our revenge, be absolved of all responsibility, feel like we're successful, feel like we matter, have a family that loves us, have a great marriage, fill in the blanks. Those are all false. Holding reality hostage to something that's not real harms you. And everyone you love and everything you care about. Here's the worst one of all. You ready for this one? If I get a hundred thousand followers, I will matter. No, you matter now. You are important now because you exist. A hundred thousand followers is a milestone. You know what it indicates? It's an indicator that you have a hundred thousand followers. It has nothing to do with your value as a human being. This is another one that weighs more heavily on the young. And it's absolutely disastrous. Holding reality hostage often includes what I call unassisted dreaming. It's really wishing, basically. It's the implication that how I feel inside would be somehow different if... And then we go to this this alternate reality this one of a bajillion outcomes, or to an alternate past reality, did you know the part of your brain responsible for dreaming is the part of your brain that covers memories? Your memories are really only partially accurate. There's some combination of recall and dream. And so we look at the past through a distorted lens. We look at the future through a distorted lens, We see maybe one 
outcome in the future that we think would finally make us happy, and happiness doesn't live in either place. So unassisted dreaming is one thing that's common. Number two, catastrophizing. Fear or dread of a future that we manufacture in our own minds. The misapplication of the spiritual gift of effortless creative thinking. Here's an example. I have a friend who is an avid prepper, really, really interested in preparing for future catastrophe of one kind or another. While I agree that being prepared to handle difficult situations, should they arise, is a good thing, my friend can take it really, really far. The conversation might go something like this. Well, we just bought a different truck, and I'm going to get sides put on the truck to make it higher, and then we're going to get a trailer that goes with that truck, because we know at some point around here there's going to be an earthquake or a political upheaval that will cause us to have to leave our home, and we're going to need to take everything with us that we want to live on for the next 10 years. Okay, it's possible that that could happen. And it's possible that it could not happen. It's possible that there could be a chemical spill and you need to leave in five minutes and you'll be back in three days. It's possible that there could be an earthquake and it would just destroy your entire home and all your belongings and you couldn't load them in the truck anyway. It's possible that you can't pay for the truck. It's possible that there would be no disaster whatsoever. It's possible that any disaster that you face will be one of mental illness or physical difficulty. All of our lives have things in them that make life challenging. To focus on one possible scenario to the point of obsession and believe that you will finally feel settled and well-prepared once you have addressed that particular scenario is a fallacy. It's a logical mistake. It's a mental trick. So the first thing we talked about is unassisted dreaming, right? Just kind of letting your mind go on, uh, if this happened, I'd finally be happy. The second one is catastrophizing, a terrible misapplication of a spiritual gift of effortless thinking. The third one is, you ready for this one? Failure to forgive. An unwillingness to forgive is like drinking poison and waiting for the other guy to die. It will poison you. Some people seek revenge instead of forgiveness. Confucius, who was a pretty smart guy, said, Before you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. Confucius was right. It will destroy you both. A failure to forgive never prevents a past experience from having happened. You can't turn back the clock. If your failure to forgive applies to you yourself, that's even worse. That's the worst kind of what one of my friends calls snorkeling in manure. If you're going to wallow in crap for hours and hours and hours, or days, or decades, it's not going to make your mistakes unhappen. But it will ruin your life. It will ruin your health. It will destroy your immune system. It will ruin your relationships. It will sap your faith. And it will make you unable to cope with anything that is to come, good or bad. Please 
I beg of you, forgive yourself. Make restitution where you can. But don't marinate in misery, thinking that somehow your job is to punish yourself because God hasn't done enough of it yet. That's not helpful. It's not faithful. And it's not good. It's just evil. So, unassisted dreaming, catastrophizing, failure to forgive. Anytime we do any one of those three, we are holding reality hostage to some imagined difference in our past or our future, thinking, implying, believing that then we'll be happy. If I just get this job, then I'll be happy. If I get this raise, then I'll be happy. In all of that doing, in all of the turning back the clock, in all of the fearing the future, in all of the hoping for some imagined dream without actually working toward it, we miss the here and now. If you want a better spouse or a better marriage, that's probably not found in a different person. It's found in making your marriage better with the person you're married to now. You want the grass to be greener on your side? Don't switch sides. Water the grass. You don't want to miss the here and now. If your kids are driving you crazy, there will come a time when you miss your kids driving you crazy. If you need a break, take a little break. By a break, I don't mean divorce the kids and run off to another country. I mean go outside and get some sunshine and think about the things that you love. So, what do we do? If we are tempted to hold reality hostage, to not let our reality bless us unless certain imagined criteria are met, it's time to stop. We need to learn to live here and now, right here, right now, and to relish the living. And here's what we can do. Number one, if you are a creative person, a right-brainer, an artist, a musician, consciously create. When you find yourself in a moment where you're letting your mind wander to a not-very-happy place or to some blissful state that you're not yet in, bring it back to where you are right this minute and say, if I want to feel that feeling, what can I create right now? It may be as simple as writing something down, open up voice memos on your phone, and record a little bit of a song that just came into your head. Draw something, paint something, dance something, create. Creativity is your superpower. Creativity is a way to get focused on what's going on right this second and stop living somewhere else. Did you know that studies have been done? There was one done, I believe, at Harvard, a recent study, showing that people spend 47% of their time not thinking about what they're doing at the moment. Think about what you're doing. For left-brainers, for those of you who are more sequential thinkers, who love language, who love uh, computers, programmers, scientists, that kind of mind, your answer is write. Write things down. Consider a formula. Consider a solution. Write things that you remember. Write the things that are your strengths. Write the things that you are working on, that you can envision. Write the problem that you wish to solve and find a better problem. 
this is a fantastic way to focus yourself on here and now. You want to do this with society as a whole? Serve. Service is the best way to get outside of your own head. Start looking for ways to help, love, and lift someone else. And you will find yourself not catastrophizing nearly as much, but instead filling your heart and theirs with gratitude. Fill your heart and mind and journal and diary and memories and hopes and dreams with gratitude. If you try, you'll be able to sit down and come up with pages and pages of things that you are grateful for. Now that may take a while because you may be out of practice. Start with little things. Be grateful that you have a pencil. Be grateful that you can write, or speak, or think, or learn, or breathe, or live, or love, or laugh. The world is full of good things, and the best time for good things is right now. We'll talk more in another episode about what living in the now really means. To some, it's a very fluffy concept. For now, practice identifying those moments when you are holding reality hostage. Create, write, serve, express gratitude. Be mindful of where you are and what you're doing. Turn off your phone. Turn off the TV. Don't let fear run your future. Don't let regret run your past. Decide right now that in this reality, in this moment, in my current circumstance, there is much to be excited about. There's much to be grateful for. You are the most important person in the world for what only you can do. As always, if you want to talk more about this or see what options are available to you for help personally or with your organization, go to my website at natewalkercoaching.com, click the contact page, and tell me all about it. We'll talk again soon.